it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're referring to Iowa last week? I am referring to Iowa. I'm referring to the week before. (laughs) I'm referring to some fairly lengthy nights that we have had in studio. This one, we're we're going to be cruising. Nah, not going to be the case. We're going to be fine. Let's get to our big story. It is the Illini, and they are back in action here are the key details. The deets, as the kids call them. Big Ten football presented by Hampton, by Hilton, Alana, and Mox. Jerry Howard, Brock Marine, and I will be here for a very special Big Ten live football pregame, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, on the Big Ten Network and the Fox Sports app. This is an Illinois team that was off on Saturday. They dominated Virginia last time out. They did have the narrow loss to Indiana as well, so they come in at 2-1. and one. Thoughts on the Illini to this point in the season? Well, I'd say first, I think the defense is ahead of the offense. You know, the defense, it's not, it's not multiple. Uh, you, you know, Ryan Walters does a terrific job with it. He's, he plays the, the free safety really deep. He doesn't give up a lot of big plays. They, they move their front. They're pretty situational. You, you can count on only a couple looks on first and ten. And, and they'll minimize any big plays. In fact, they're, they're very good not giving up big plays. If it's third and long, if it's second and long, and they're in pass situation, then he'll bring the heat. But he's pretty consistent with the defense, pretty basic, but they're really fundamentally sound. And I believe the way they play defense will put him in any game, uh, if not all the games. They've allowed nine points in their first two home games. It is pretty remarkable to think of how much better they've gotten with the group that they inherited, right? I mean, I think that's what really stands out to me. And, you know, Lovey Smith, who is a coach, obviously, we both respect tremendously. Right. But Lovey Smith was a defensive specialist, and they were bad on defense. And so I think the assumption that I had was that it was players, right? That Because, you know, obviously, Lovey schematically has been really good throughout his career, and yet they inherit those players. They have done a lot of work in the portal. I mean, I, everyone has. But that's still pretty impressive because they were good almost from the outset last year. It took them maybe three or four games to get their footing, and they've been lights out since. And, and they're not doing much different than when, what they did. You know, and, and Howard and I always kid that Ryan Walters, defensive coordinator, he, he, his game plan is on an index card. Yeah. Well, an index card only can hold so many defenses. And, and again, so they're not very multiple, but they're so fundamentally sound. We, we had the, the, the privilege, if you will, to sit in on some of the meetings when – Brett Bielema is in front of the room teaching defensive concepts, right? And a lot of the stuff that he's showing pro tape from when he was with the Patriots. And, and so you can tell that they are not going to be multiple. They're going to be simple, and they're going to win first and ten. And then when they get in situational football, they'll play it as situational football. He's not afraid to bring six when it's third and ten. 
But he is afraid to bring five or six on first and ten. And, and that's why I think he's put himself in position. Remember, they want to complement their offense with their defense. Let's talk a little bit about the offense. Chase Brown has been phenomenal. He's one of the top backs statistically in the country. What do you make of this group so far? They are making mistakes. I mean, they're turning the ball over at a somewhat alarming rate. And I think that's the thing that that stands out to me there. I mean, Tommy DeVito, I think, is a good fit for the offense. I don't know whether you agree. They have a good weapon in Isaiah Williams, but but you just can't turn it over. Right. Uh, Tommy DeVito, 67%, and yet they're ranked last in the conference in passing. Uh, Chase Brown, I, I'd say it's better than a good year. I mean, he he's running behind an offensive line that has work to do, right? That They're going to get better, but but he breaks a lot of tackles. It's not always cleanly blocked. So I think he's 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 one of the better players. You mentioned Isaiah, you know, to move him from quarterback when Brett did, to give him the reps on the perimeter. So they're a little bit of a – they're a ways away. Brett wants to be balanced, but he's nowhere near being balanced right now. He, he told us that when we were in camp. He, he's pretty much running the same run game he ran at Wisconsin and Arkansas. It's just out of a different formation. Barry Lunny, the offensive coordinator, you know, he, he's trying to mix it up, but it, it's a hard offense to call a game. You know, it's all about first and ten nowadays. If you get behind in first and ten, because so many people are playing man coverage – which was different a generation ago, and so many defensive coaches are not afraid to pressure once you get behind them down in distance. This is a pretty good challenge here in Chattanooga. They are undefeated. They're ranked 10th in the FCS poll. They've given up 34 points in three games, again, against an FCS schedule, but still gives you a sense that it could be a little bit challenging for that Illinois offense. Again, lots more on that game coming up later tonight as we get you ready to send you out to Champagne, but let's move ahead to the rest of the Big Ten schedule now. That is the first of nine Big Ten games this weekend. We have more than half of them here on the Big Ten Network. The one tonight, four more Saturday, including a key conference battle between Minnesota and Michigan State. The other three conference games, Maryland and Michigan, Iowa and Rutgers, and Wisconsin and Ohio State. Let's start with the Badgers and the Buckeyes as we break these down, Jerry. And the strength versus strength here is Ohio State's offense against Wisconsin's defense. So match those two up for us. What are you watching? It starts with the coordinators. It starts with the play calls, actually, because Ryan Day is not really officially the coordinator, but he, he, he calls the play. And then Jim Leonard is the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. Both guys are really good at, at, at what they do. You know, Wisconsin's going to pressure. Wisconsin runs an unusual package. Sometimes they're two down. Sometimes they're three down. Jim always wants to bring someone off the edge and yet play some safe coverage behind it. Uh, Ryan Day has struggled a little bit in the red zone, especially with the run game. He's put a little option into it, which I'm really surprised because CJ's not really a runner. But I think he's done that because I think he wants it in situational football. So to to watch the battle of X's and O's, when when Leonard brings pressure, when Ryan wants to throw it down the field, to be interested. Can Ohio State offensive line protect, I think, is going to be a big issue because what, what, what Leonard will do is he'll bring a linebacker and that'll make an offensive lineman get off and, and push over the, the, the rusher to another, another uh, offensive lineman. So I think it's a really cool X and O match. Let me ask you this. When you go into a game like that as a head coach talking to your coordinator, in this case, Paul Chris talking to Jim Leonard, do you have like a target number in mind? In other words, like what's reasonable – to hold Ohio State to, and we know this is one of the most dynamic offenses in the country, to give yourself a shot. I mean, you say, hey, is there a way you can hold them to 21? 
Is it, like, would you have that kind of tangible a discussion? I mean, obviously, there's so many variables in a football game, but is that the mindset, or is it different than that? Well, it was different for me. What I what I like to do is on on Thursday bring in both coordinators, no nobody else. So it would be me and the offensive and defense coordinator, and have each coordinator explain to the other coordinator their problems and, and their assets. Yeah. And so, so as we go through the game. I could say to the defensive coordinator, hey, remember what we said on Thursday now? We, you, know, you need to play zone here for a couple, a couple downs, right? I know it's, you don't want to play zone, you want to play man, but we need to give our offense a break or the other way around. So, but I never, I, I never did a number. But w- when you go to that, let, let's, let's go to the, other, the matchup, right? How many points does Wisconsin well, that's, have? I know, yes, that's where you're going. Yeah, right. But I, no, I don't, I, I don't think you can say to Bobby Ingram, you know, we need 28 points. I mean, what number do you put on it? I think the bigger... I mean, Toledo scored 21. Right. I, I think the bigger question is, do you, if Bobby was in my room, I'd say, I'd say, Bobby, how much do we have to throw it to keep up with Ohio State, right? I mean, just to give a point thing, you know, it's unrealistic to think that, that I think it's unrealistic this year for Wisconsin to be 60-65% run on first and 10 and think that they're going to score enough points to keep up with whatever that number is Ohio State. More interesting, if you said to Jim Leonard, you know, how many can you hold him to? You know, that... Yeah, which, which is kind of... I mean, that's actually was the impetus yeah. for it, but, but they, they go hand in hand, right? right. I mean, then it, it goes to when Wisconsin has the ball and how do you see them? Because this is relative weakness against relative weakness. Again, the offense for Wisconsin is not as good as the defense. The defense for Ohio State is not as good as the offense. So, so when you match them up that way, what stands out to you? Yeah, well, I think for me, Wisconsin, the good news with, with Wisconsin is... Uh, Jim Knowles is a pressure guy in first and 10. We've talked about this all season. In other words, he likes to bring a linebacker. He wants to get you in second and long. So he's not going to just play like Illinois plays on first and 10. We just talked about Illinois on first and 10. Their gaps sound, their, their, their coverage is not to get beat deep on first and 10. Jim Knowles isn't that way. He's just the opposite. He wants to bring someone in pressure. One of the things that Wisconsin has done the best in, since Barry, okay, is the gap scheme. Wisconsin got away from the gap scheme against Washington State. And they lost the game because Washington State shut down the gap scheme, uh, shut down the zone scheme rather, and Wisconsin wasn't ready to go to the gap scheme. Then last week you see Wisconsin blending in the gap scheme. So my, I say all that to say this: on first and ten, if Jim Knowles brings the linebacker, and Wisconsin does a gap scheme, meaning this: let's say the right side of the offensive line blocks this way, and someone kicks out, that's how you can get a big play in the run game. In fact, first half of Toledo, uh, uh, Toledo has the ball plus eighteen. Plus twenty four, plus twenty three, that that's right away in the in Toledo game. Yeah. So so there so there's a there's a weakness there in the pass game in, in the run game, which will be interesting to see. Yeah, and and of course you've got Graham Mertz throwing the ball better yes. than he has in the past too. So you have to defend that now, right? You have to respect that if you're Ohio State. I think. I, w- would you agree? I would. The, the the issue we've talked a little bit about this is. It seems to me the formations that Graham is throwing it out better are past formations. And so you could audible your defense, right? right. You know, people talk about all of it in their offense. You can, call, you can call it badger, meaning if you get this formation, we're in man coverage and we're going we're gonna to put our best uh, defender on that single so receiver. they're showing their hand a little they're bit. They're showing their hand a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, well, we'll see. Look, these are not the games where Graham Mertz has excelled. He is 2-6 and six against ranked teams in his career as a starting quarterback. We'll see whether or not, again – 
I don't know the expectations necessarily Wisconsin wins this game, although certainly it's not out of the realm sure. of possibility, but it will give us a sense of, of where they stand. Uh, as for the team that won the Big Ten last year, Michigan hosting Maryland, both are 3-0. and This is obviously the toughest game for each one of them, though. I'm interested in what you're hoping to learn about each team in this game. Let's start with Michigan. What do you want to learn about the Wolverines? I guess I want to see how good they are against a better opponent. You know, I thought their game last week uh, against UConn offensively was their poorest performance. Uh, they ran more option with JJ. He, he missed some reads within the option. Uh, he made a bad decision in the red zone. He was scrambling, and instead of throwing it away, he took a sack. He missed an out route. Those are just some of the things that J.J. could have done better. I would put the offensive line in the same position. I don't think they had their best game. So they've played three weak opponents. How could they not be best in their third game? I think you play down to your competition to a certain extent. You know, I mean, did anybody on the Michigan team think there was any chance of losing to UConn? Probably not. And when you go into a game thinking you don't have a chance uh, – Sometimes you don't play well, and I think that's the box that Michigan was in. This changes things. You know, I, I've been bragging about Maryland's defense. I think they've gotten better. I really do. They've got good athletes. I think they'll challenge Michigan's offense certainly better than anyone else has to date. So what I'd like to learn about the Michigan offense is you know, can they play better? What's it going to look like? Because now you get ready for Maryland. I think you go into the game, we can get upset about Maryland. You can, you, if you're a Michigan player, you can watch that tape and say, they got some athletes. And then they got Leah on offense. I mean, they can make things happen. So for the offense, definitely improvement with the offensive line. The running backs are doing fine. And I think J.J. can get better. What about the flip side? What are you hoping to learn about Maryland? Okay. How athletic are they? when they're rushing and trying to contain Leah. I've, I don't know that any other team is playing the game in space more than Maryland. I mean, I mean, it looks like 11 guys got chosen on one side and they're playing another 11 guys and the ball's all over the place because, because of Leah. You never know what he's going to do. Sometimes he'll sit in the pocket and be patient. Sometimes he'll hit that back foot and just take off even before he's reading what's going on downfield. So if they can contain Leah on the scramble, okay, I want to see that, and, if, and when he is in the pocket, if they can contain him so he, he doesn't break contain. Michigan certainly has the athletes on defense to do that, but, but no one else has done that. I mean, Leah is the ultimate X factor. He, he can make anything happen. Well, Maryland's been great offensively. I mean, they're third in the nation in yards per play. Of course, had the big fourth-quarter rally against SMU, held the Mustangs scoreless in that fourth quarter, which is nothing to right. sneeze at. That is a really right. good offense outscored him 14 to nothing and pulled out the win to stay perfect great triple header of football saturday on the big 10 network 14th ranked penn state clashing with central michigan minnesota and michigan state square off in east lansing and in primetime purdue hosts florida atlantic or northwestern takes on miami of ohio it all starts with big 10 tailgates saturday on the big 10 network and the fox sports app okay i'm really fired up for that gopher spartans game i know you are as well after watching Michigan State last week against Washington, it is clear that the weakness of the Spartans is the same as it was last year, and that is the pass defense. I think the really interesting question here is how well equipped is Minnesota to take advantage of that weakness? Yeah, and the reason this is my favorite game of the weekend, I love this game, is because it's a crossover game, right? And if you're going to win the West, and Minnesota looks like one of the teams 
that a lot of people are picking to win the West, right, the way they've started and the way they've built that program. And they play Michigan State, obviously, this week, and then they go Penn State and they go Rutgers. So to, to, to win a cross-divisional game is important. Like Purdue's already lost to Penn State. Uh, Illinois has lost to Indiana. Now, I don't know that Illinois is going to be in the hunt, but I think we thought Purdue was going to be in the hunt. So, so ha- having said that, uh, how equipped are they, Minnesota? They've thrown the ball once for 300 yards. That was their second game, I think, was Western Illinois. Other than that, they've been in 150. Uh... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, yard range. I think it makes it easier for them to compete in this game and, and, and win this game. I don't think... They have to do it. I mean, they're, they're a running team. Uh, how much they rely on it, I, I don't know. I, I mean, this is going to be a slobber knocker. I mean, this, this, is, this is going into East Lansing, tough place to play. It's on grass. They lost last week. And so you're certainly not going to come out and start throwing the ball against Michigan State. You may you, – No, why not? Kirk, Kirk, Just but, because it's not their identity? It's not, it's not what you do. And yeah. I, I think if you do that, you're playing into Michigan State's hands, right? I mean, first of all, this Washington team was unbelievable. No, I know. They're I mean, really good. they had yeah. 11 big plays, meaning 10-yard runs and 15-yard passes. They had 11 of them, but 10 of them were passes, and three of them were 35 yards long. I mean, so if you throw the ball and you're not used to it and that doesn't happen, you're, you're, you're going to play right into Michigan State's hands. So are they equipped to take advantage of a secondary that's struggling as it struggled last year. I don't know if they are. Do they need it to win the game? Maybe, maybe not. I, I, I sure would want to have to go – I'd want to be prepared to win it with the pass if I'm Minnesota. The other thing I think that troubles me a bit about Michigan State after watching them against Washington, they couldn't run the ball either. And I feel like we went into this year thinking they'd be able to. They certainly could last year with Kenneth Walker. The backs are good. I mean, Jalen Berger certainly. Jarek Broussard is a former conference – Offensive player of the year, but Minnesota. I mean, if, if you're struggling to run the ball, Minnesota is not the team you want staring at you on your schedule. Yeah, there's no doubt. This Minnesota, Minnesota defense is stout. Joe Rash has done an unbelievable job. I don't think Berger uh, is playing all that well right now. I mean, he 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 was a, he was a little tentative. So is Broussard. I mean, they miss Kenneth Walker because Kenneth Walker could do this. You know, Berger yeah. and Broussard can't do that. They they're more sideline to sideline. They're in the pistol formation. They don't always have a tight end in the game. They are vastly different from last year's downhill kick-in-the-butt offense. And you think it's personnel? You think it's- I think it's personnel-driven. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. I don't think it's philosophy. They're still – the run-pass ratio is the same. Yeah. Peyton Thorne's having kind of the same year he had last year. You know, Peyton Thorne without Kenneth Walker is – you know, he's got to make up the slack. He hasn't done that yet in the past game. 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, let's just kind of put it on the table. He hasn't had all his offensive weapons around him either. And, and so, you know, that, that's part of it, right, sure. if, if you're not completely healthy at the receiver position. Uh, we'll see uh, in this one. Minnesota has had a lot of struggles against the Spartans. They have not won in East Lansing since 2006. It's three straight games. But, again, this is a series Michigan State has largely dominated. As for Iowa and Rutgers, a lot in common here. We got really good defenses. We have exceptional punters. I mean, among the best (laughs) punters that we have seen in the country, and we have offenses that are still trying to find their footing. What what, what would you say as you try to match these two up? Uh, Let's let's look at it this way. What would it take for Iowa to win the game? Well, just to maintain that they're the best defense in the game and one of the best defenses in the conference. Remember what what Rutgers does on offense. They're they're a little bit all over the place, right? Three quarterbacks. It's like finding Waldo, right? I mean, they do a lot of different things with a lot of different personnel. Yeah. A, a great counter to that type of offense, and it's very creative. But and, and and Iowa will see plays that they haven't practiced against because Sean Gleason will have plays that that they haven't run yet. And and if you are a high risk defense, that could be scary. You could cut somebody loose. But the way Phil Parker plays his defense, they don't play much man. So, that, so everybody's eyes are always towards the backfield. So if they see a new formation, if they see a new play, they're more likely to see it from the back end than if they were playing cover one man coverage and being run off. So if Iowa can continue to play that defense, the best, obviously the best unit in the game is Iowa. So Iowa's defense. I, Iowa's defense. So how does Iowa win the game? They continue to have the best unit on, on, on the field. I mean, and for all the machinations of this Rutgers offense, I mean, it's struggling. Barely over 200 yards against Temple. We don't know whether Noah Vedrill's going to play. He's a game-time decision. Gavin Wimsett is a game-time decision. Vedrill still hasn't played. He was their starting quarterback in every game last year. So not only are they offensively challenged, but personnel-wise, they're a little bit behind the eight ball as well. I think the coaching battle is is fascinating, too, because these are two guys – that know what they want to do. I, I mean, and they they know how to put together a complementary game plan uh, Monday through Friday in the office with their coordinators, but they also know how to manage the game. I mean, they have coached a ton of games. Yes. I mean, they can manage a game. And, and so there might be two or three decisions uh, in this game where because it's one veteran coach against another veteran coach, that, that could make the difference. What does Rutgers have to do to win the game? Probably be explosive on offense. You know, uh, they they can they can hold up against the Iowa the Iowa offense, which I think most people think they could. Right? It's it's struggling offense, so their defense is fine. So how can they create some plays and create? How how can they do just what I said? Iowa can't let them do right. How can they how can they get Phil Parker on his heels? How can they break some big plays? Iowa doesn't give up a lot of big plays. So can. Can, can Greg and Sean Gleason come up with something on offense that creates explosions? Do you think that Iowa can run it on Rutgers? I mean, like, what, what's – because it just seems to me, right, I mean, the defenses are, are so good. Like, Rutgers' defense is really good. I mean, they give up 97 rushing yards in three games. Do you see Iowa being able to, to line it up and run it on them? And if not, is Petrus good enough with, with that – receiving core, which is it sounds like Keegan Johnson maybe banged up again right. and, and may not be able to go. Like, 
Does Iowa have a, a solution to, to beat Rutgers with his offense? It hasn't this year. You know, I mean, if, if, if Iowa can't run it, then I think they're going to struggle winning the game. Unless, of course, Rutgers can't run it. I, I mean, again, this is, this is based on what the, de- what the defenses are doing. Neither one, neither one of our, uh, neither the offense is explosive. Although in this game, I do think Rutgers has a chance to be more explosive maybe than Iowa does. Because Iowa's still going to line up in the I formation. They're going to break the formation some. So, so Iowa's explosion will come from something that we've seen. They'll execute some play that we've already seen at a high level or uh, Rutgers will bust the coverage or something like that. On the other hand, I think the way to get a big play against Iowa is to do something different. So I don't think, I, I don't think Rutgers can go out there and run a similar offense and get a big play against Iowa. But I also think that that Rutgers will put in a new offense in a heartbeat. Not a whole new offense, but they're, they're not opposed to putting in five new plays and three of them be gadgets or something different. Right. Whereas Iowa's not built that way. Yeah, yeah. That's a fascinating matchup. It I, is. And, again, if you like special teams. <laughs> Stop. No, I mean, this is the game for you. It, it, it's going to be fabulous. The kick game. You are used to hearing Joel Klatt every Saturday in the booth during Fox's big noon kickoff game and here every Thursday with us. But if you want to hear more from Joel and his unfiltered thoughts and all the biggest stories in college football, make sure you subscribe to the Joel Klatt Show wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop three times a week. Listen now and a chance to talk to Joel right now as he joins us. Uh, Joel, you saw Nebraska last week, a big noon kickoff. They were hammered by Oklahoma. You're there for a couple days. You get a chance to spend some time around the program in talking to people there in watching the product on the field, what is your sense of what Nebraska needs to get competitive again? Um, <clears throat> a lot. <laughs> um, the first and foremost, though, I think that they need a culture. Um, I, and I kind of said this on the broadcast, but Rev, it's not that they have a good culture or a bad culture. They don't have any culture. They, if you look at their roster and you look across the Big Ten, here's a great example. I'm doing a Michigan game this week. You know that. Michigan, Maryland. Uh, Rev, Michigan has 18 seniors on their team that were not transfers in. Nebraska had two on their roster last week. That's just too many. It's too transient there, right? Like, you can't build anything because of all the people in and out of the program. And so, they need a culture. That's number one. And so, they need some stability at at the coaching position and, and moving forward. Having said that, then you start to look at, well, what does that coach need to do? And when I talked with Trev Alberts, their athletic director, he was steadfast in his belief that the program should reflect their fan base. That meaning that it needs to be a program that is tough, is hardworking, is disciplined, and plays complimentary football. And he specifically said, we will be tough at the line of scrimmage with our next coach. And that's a, that's a team and a program that our fan base can not only identify with, but then be proud of. Um, and he actually said, and, and not that they're not going to be trying to win, but he says it doesn't matter as much what we are in the top end wins and losses as much as, as can we develop players, win at the line of scrimmage, be physical, and be a team and a program that our fan base can be proud of. And I thought that was a, a, a very articulate answer and a realistic answer for a guy that's in a really tough position right now trying to play the season out and then find a new head coach. Yeah, agreed. And uh, it has not reflected that for a while now. So that that is a great place to start. And I've spent some time with Trev, too. I feel like he's really realistic 
about where they're headed, but they absolutely yeah. should be able to be a team that competes in the Big Ten West. There's no reason no doubt. they can't be. Looks like Penn State might be a team that competes in the Big Ten East. I, I think there was a feeling kind of coming into the year that it was Michigan, Ohio State, and then Penn State and Michigan State in some order. Does what they did to Auburn, and I realize not a great Auburn team, but they annihilated them going down mm. to the Plains. Does that change your perception at all of where Penn State is in the pecking order? Uh, not that specific game, but but them answering the one question I had for them coming into this year, which is, can you run the football? Can you get better running the football? It was pretty clear to me last year that I was expecting Mike Yersich's offense to be something that it just wasn't. And a lot of that came in the form of the fact that Sean Clifford was just asked to do too much because they had no run game. Now, all of a sudden, they bring in these young backs, namely Nick Singleton. And I know it's not just the backs, and you want to credit the offensive line, but boy, there is some explosiveness now in the backfield. Singleton is averaging 11 yards per carry. He went, he's going for over 100 yards per game. And you sit there and, and you look at them in 242, I believe it was, on the ground against Auburn. So it's the style in which they go out there and win that game. The fact that they physically took it to Auburn and just totally stole the will right out from, from their chest. I, I love the way that Penn State is playing. And they now, at least in my estimation, make the Big Ten East I think the best division in college football. All right, listen, I think Georgia's the best team in college football, and I think Alabama is still really good. But each of those divisions, they're not as deep as what now the Big Ten East is. I've got all three of those East teams in my, my top ten this week, in large part due to the fact that that was the only question I had about Penn State. I think that they're going to play really well on defense, and Manny Diaz has done a nice job there coming in and, and, and filling the shoes of Brent Pry, the defense coordinator from a year ago that went on to be a head coach. They do things right on the defensive side. My only question was about the run game and Nick Singleton and that offensive line. They've played really well. So, so Rev, I'm optimistic about Penn State. You look at their schedule, I, I think that we're going to get an undefeated Penn State at Michigan when we get to the middle of October, and that's going to be a monster game. Uh, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State in successive games there in October. So we will learn a oh, ton. Brutal slate because I think Minnesota is better than people. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get a chance to see them this weekend against Michigan State. Really the first tough game for the mm -hmm. Gophers this season. I uh, do want to switch gears to Wisconsin, Ohio State. You look at the preseason, the unofficial preseason polls in the Big Ten. This is the game that was picked most frequently as the Big Ten championship game. Wisconsin's been a little bit up and down 
to this point. What do they have to do in your estimation to have a shot here against the Buckeyes? You know, the teams that have, have played Ohio State well uh, over the last couple of years, whether it was, let's say, Oregon beat them, uh, Nebraska played them well, uh, obviously Michigan beat them, Utah played them well, Notre Dame played them fairly tough uh, to begin this, this season. You've got to be physically tough at the line of scrimmage. You've got to run the football. You've got to make them one-dimensional on offense. Now, granted, that dimension is probably the best dimension in the sport, throwing the ball with C.J. Stroud and those wide receivers, but you still have to make them one-dimensional because if they're able to do both, then that presents the play action and they can get after it. I think Wisconsin is uniquely suited to do what I just said, make them one-dimensional, make it tough on them. Uh, This Wisconsin team can shorten the game with their run game. They can play tough at the line of scrimmage. And if you are asking me who's the one defensive coordinator in college football that I think is the best in the country, it would be Jim Leonard for for Wisconsin. I think he's that good. I think he could have basically any job he wanted uh, from a coordinator perspective. NFL teams have been beating down the door, and he continues to stay there in Madison. So he's going to have a plan that makes it tough on Ohio State. I do think it's, it's interesting, by the way, when you look at Ohio State this year, they did not gain 400 yards in that opener against Notre Dame. And I think the style in which they won that game was important, but Rev, it still wasn't 400 yards. They had gained 400 yards in every single game before that, dating back to the COVID national championship year against Alabama. So even in their losses to Oregon or Michigan or games that they struggled against Nebraska or even Utah in the, in the Rose Bowl, they were still gaining over 400 yards. So there is a blueprint there, and Notre Dame did a nice job, and, and Wisconsin's going to have to very much put that type of blueprint into action in the shoe and make, make them one-dimensional and make them panic a little bit. But if you let them run it and throw it, then it's going to be a long night. Yeah, for sure. And again, you mentioned how good Wisconsin's been. I mean, leading the nation in rushing defense a year ago, leading the nation in total defense. Lost a lot off that group, but early returns pretty good for Jim Leonard, as you would expect. Big noon, you guys are going to be at the big house. You got Maryland against Michigan. I know you spend your whole week breaking down film, getting ready for the game. What's the key matchup that you'll be watching here as Maryland tries to spring what would be a massive upset? Sure. I think it's the Maryland wide receivers against what is a fairly untested secondary and defense of Michigan. My question for Michigan is, is what is your defense really? And we don't know, right? Their their non-conference opponents are 0-9 combined, and they were beating them by 50-plus points, uh, the average margin of victory, which is what you should do, by the way. What do I know about Michigan right now? I know that they're mature, and they're taking care of their business. They're doing what they should do in the games in which they are heavy favorites. Having said that, this is going to be their first test. Maryland brings as good of a receiving core as you're going to find out there. You know, now not quite Ohio State and maybe not even quite Michigan, but they've got very good players. I can't wait to see Dante Demas, uh, their transfer, Copeland. They've got guys that can play, and now this secondary, which is somewhat rebuilt at key positions, is going to be put under pressure for the first time. My eyes are going to go to Mike Sander still. Mike Sainer still is a guy that switched from offense, played defense this spring. By all accounts, he's assimilated very quickly to the defensive side of the ball, but that's still new. And now he's going to be out there against four really good wide receivers, and he's going to be locked up in a, in a one-on-one situation in a critical moment for the first time in his career on that side of the ball. I can't wait to see how that unfolds because that's the question I have for Michigan is really about their defense. Yeah, Maryland can be overpowering on offense, no question about it. Leah Tungavailoa. 
This will be his second big spotlight game here. The one against mm-hmm. Iowa last year did not go well at all for him. Five interceptions. See if he can have, turn in a better performance in this one as the Terps look to beat a ranked Big Ten opponent for the first time in their time in the league. Joel Klatt, look forward to that call. Uh, again, Gus Johnson, Jenny Taft, and Joel Klatt on the call on Saturday. Thanks a lot, Joel. Saturday, we're all Big Ten all morning long with previews of every matchup. Tons of fun directly from Happy Valley. Big Ten tailgate presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, only on the Big Ten Network and the Fox Sports app. The Nittany Lions come in boasting that newfound ground game prowess. Our big stat shows you they are tied for the national lead in run plays of 50 yards or longer. Pretty remarkable when you consider they did not have any last year. The only team, as you can see on this list, that did not. All of those long runs, courtesy of Nick Singleton, he is 5 of 40 yards or longer. That is three more than anyone else in the country. The run game's been a huge story, Jerry. Maybe we can get to that, but I know the thing that you're most impressed by to this point is the defense. Yeah, and, and the quote James Franklin, Central Michigan, Central Michigan. Yeah. I mean, this is a perfect week for Central Michigan, oh, right? No uh, I mean, Purdue and Auburn. Uh, very business-like preparation this week. You, you obviously have much better players than, than your opponent. Uh, the defense against Auburn was really, really impressive. I mean, it starts athletically. I mean, they have recruited really well. They've got some really good athletes. They gave up a lot of big plays, which, which ordinarily, if they weren't so great in the deep red zone, they, they may, they, the result may have been different. I mean, that's how good they were from the 10-yard line in. But most of the big plays was quarterback scrambles. And, and this time of year, you, you're seeing a lot more of this. I saw it with Syracuse against Purdue, the same thing. And I think part of it is fundamentals, rush lanes. It's, it's nothing that's scheme-related. You know, you'll try a twist and someone will get knocked out of their lane. So that's fixable, and I'm sure they'll fix it. But they're really aggressive with the linebackers. They're, they're aggressive in the secondary. They can really run, and, you know, they're, they're really, really put together. Manny Diaz has done a terrific job with that defense. They just caught- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.